All right, football at four time here. It's powered by InsideTheBirds.com. It's brought to you today by Matt Black Kia. They want to get you approved today. That's Matt Black Kia, Black Horse Pike, Egg Harbor Township. Jeff Mosher's in the house for today's edition of Football at Four. We got plenty to dive into on the heels of yesterday's news that Brandon Brooks will miss the rest of the season. What do we know now that the dust has kind of settled? I mean, do you stay in house? Do you go outside the organization? Who are some legit options? We'll get into that. Plus, the news uh, about Alshon Jeffrey. What about Jalen Rieger and the running back situation? Doug Peterson spoke yesterday. He had a lot to say. So we'll get Jeff Moster's take on it now during football at four here on the Sports Bash. Jeff, what's going on, man? Hello, fellas. How are you today? Oh, we're doing good. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, baseball sounds like they might be on the same page, so we might get baseball back. Basketball has put out a lot of guidelines, uh, and, and it looks like they're about ready to go, so there's some positive vibes, I guess. It, the positive vibes changed by, like, the 10 minutes, but right now it's positive, right? The Manford uh, <laughs> statement has come out, and it sounds like everything's good. So, And Brooks didn't get hurt today. That was yesterday. So yesterday, not positive vibes. Today feels a little bit better. Let's, let's start with that, though, and get your initial take on when you heard the news, not so much just losing Brooks, but what it means for this team's offensive line in general. Yeah, I mean, it's a devastating blow. Uh, I couldn't help but think of the time that Jason Peters tore his Achilles in the offseason. And, of course, if you remember, uh, at some point during his rehab, he retore the same uh, Achilles. He was on a scooter, and uh, I believe he sued the scooter company after because he thought he claimed it was a malfunction and had to go through the whole kind of re- rehab process again. And I just feel for Brandon. Obviously, he's fought back from uh, the same injury from that playoff game a couple of years ago, and then he had a shoulder injury. He's fought back from that. He's fought back from his battle with anxiety. He's a good locker room leader. He's a great player. And it's a tough loss. Uh, you know, Adam and I did a podcast, I think, last week. And it was entitled Depth Concerns at Key Issues. And we identified wide receiver and offensive line as areas that have talent but can also least afford injuries because when you look at what's in the backup cupboard, it's, it's a lot of – there's names, but you haven't seen anything. And, of course, as we talk about – who's going to replace Brandon Brooks and Matt Pryor being the first, you know, on the bench to naturally assume that position. You're talking about a player who has made, I believe one career start in the NFL and less than a hundred snaps in his career. And then a lot of young guys that they've drafted in the last few years that can try to, you know, jockey with him for that job, but not a whole lot of proven talent. And so, while the Eagles still have a very good offensive line and they're still good at great at right tackle and great at center and um, you know pretty good at left guard, that, that's a big, big loss right now for them uh, this this part of the uh, off season. All right, so we I think we all would agree uh, that the loss is huge, but are they equipped to have it now to be able to handle it? Well, it does give them, you know, as opposed to in the middle of the year when you have to throw a guy in who is really not had, you know, not really ready for it. As of now, at least they can start camp next month, assuming everything starts correctly. Matt Pryor can be the first guy up. He can get the first team reps for a few weeks and see if he can handle it. He can get himself ready. Uh, it also gives them time 
to see if there's a free agent worth bringing in. I, I imagine they'll still try to look to bring in a veteran through free agency to at least compete. And then also maybe Howie Roseman can look at the trade market and see if there's somebody, uh, an odd man out on a team that's still a decent enough player that could come in and compete for the job. So, yeah, the timing is better than, say, if it were to happen in the middle of the season. But, again, you're talking about a Pro Bowl player who I believe also made an all-pro team. It's not going to be just as simple as next man up. Trey Thomas was on yesterday, and he was pretty high on Matt Pryor and actually liked what he did in his limited action. Do you think that it's not enough games to really be able to say he will be able to be effective in the long run? Uh, yeah, I, I just think the sample size really isn't big enough right now to make any kind of conclusions about Matt Pryor. Um, one thing that stood out to me in the Giants, the Giants game that he that he started. Yeah, well, he um, he came in the middle of that game because that's when actually Brandon Brooks went down. He started right. Seattle. That, right. Thank you. The Seattle game is what I meant. Is that I thought he played with a lot of toughness, a lot of that nastiness that you need to see from an interior. Uh, offensive lineman, and I thought he held his own against a pretty good Seattle defensive front. I'm sure he had some plays that he'd like to have back. But in general, he held his own. But as you guys know, the the, the key in the NFL is once you get in there and it's your position and you start playing, the opponent starts to get more game film on you. And then they start to do things aimed at what they think are your weaknesses. You know, So they're going to study and see – did Matt, does Matt Pryor hold up well if we throw, say, some ET stunts on his side or if we overload his side on a blitz? Is he going to pick up, um, say, a safety or a, who might be blitzing through the A-gap on a delay, or does he not process that as fast? So we, we see it all the time. Guys play well, but then once they play a little, you know, have a nice streak or stretch of games, then they start to become part of the other team's game plan and their flaws get exposed. So we'll see. Go, you know, obviously with Matt, he's going to have to overcome that. Jeff Bosher, football four, powered by InsideTheBirds.com. You know, um, prior and and Trey Thomas was on yesterday, as, as Hunter mentioned, and he was very uh, positive. He he felt that uh, the drop off will not be that significant, which I was a little surprised by. He watched a lot of film of him in those games and thought that he did a good job in what he does. But my question would go to then, in your opinion, is prior the guy that the Eagles want to win the job? Or is there an outside guy that you think they should be looking at to make sure uh, that they have a more known quantity there? Yeah, I mean, I think the answer, Mike, to that is yes and yes, in that I, I do believe they want Pryor to be the guy because that represents the easiest transition for them. If Pryor plays well, he's a draft pick. That looks good for them. If he plays well... He might make the Eagles want to consider what they're going to do from an offensive line standpoint going forward. You know, Adam Kaplan reported on our last podcast that I think $10.4 million of Brandon Brooks' salary in 2021 is guaranteed because of that extension that he signed, I believe, a year ago. So Brandon Brooks, coming off this second Achilles injury, is very, very likely to be on the team next year regardless. But let's say Isaac Sayamalo doesn't have a good year or he gets hurt and maybe you feel Matt Pryor can play left guard when Brandon Brooks comes back to play right guard. Maybe you just are so confident in Matt Pryor or he has such a breakout um, that you, it gives you options. So of course that's, that's the scenario they're going to root for. However, I still think 
and I'm sure they're doing it right now, is they have their pro scouts looking at tape of guys who are available. I know Larry Wofford's name uh, comes up a lot. There are some other free agent guards who are on the street. And I'm sure they're actually looking at players from other teams that they think might be expendable or cuts at the end of training camp just to get a leg up on who they might like for their system if that person becomes available. That's just pretty much what any uh, NFL team would do. If they don't get a free agent or somehow get another body at some point, what if someone gets hurt from here? I mean, I think that's my biggest concern at this point is you lose one more guy on this line, and who do you turn to? I mean, at that point, do you have to rely on a Jordan Maialata to play right tackle and then move people over? I mean, you just at that point, I just think there's so many moving pieces. you got to rely on a Jack Driscoll. I mean, what happens if they don't pick anybody up and one more guy goes down? Well, yeah, I mean, I think they will pick somebody up. If another guy goes down, then they're certainly going to pick up somebody. Just like, you know, last year at wide receiver, you had guys like Deontay Burnett and uh, Robert Davis and some other guys that you never heard of all of a sudden on the team. And then even the practice squad had your, uh, what was that, River Craycraft and and, uh, names like that. So they'll make a move just to have bodies. But you make a great point, Hunter, and that goes back to, the title of our podcast last week, Depth Concerns at Key Positions. If another person were to get hurt on the offensive line, say it's say it's Jason Kelsey, they don't really have an experienced center. I mean, as Isaac Sayamalo could move over there and play center, but then they need a new left guard. What if it's Andre Dillard, who's going to play left tackle? What if it's Lane Johnson? So, again, they have bodies. You mentioned Jack Driscoll. That's a guy that um, they're high on, but I don't know if they can expect him to come in as a rookie and perform at a certain level right now, especially without having any of those rookie camps or mini camps to really get acclimated to the team. So it's a dicey situation, and that's that's kind of like the double whammy to losing Brandon Brooks uh, when they did. It just makes them a little bit more thin at a position they really couldn't afford to get thinner at. Jeff, uh, obviously a lot of people immediately went to Jason Peters. Now, Trey Thomas said he's not necessary for a couple of reasons. One, he likes Pryor. And two, he said you just don't move a guy who's played left tackle and then muscle memory and move him over to the right side to play guard. So is Jason Peters an option at all as a guard? And if he was, would it be as a right guard? Or then do you start switching more things around? We know Jeff Stoutland doesn't like to move multiple pieces. You know, that's why Lane hasn't gone from right to left and Vitae. It's I don't want to move as many guys. So if there is Peters an option to play guard, and if he was, would it be to play right guard or would it to be to be to play left guard? Well, if it were to be the left guard, then you'd have to worry about Isaac Samalo play transitioning to right guard and how's that going to go? I don't think it's optimal for the Eagles to bring in Jason Peters well, Gabe Kapler there for you. and then start playing. Yeah, and then start playing musical chairs. Uh, and, and I'll say this. I think, you know, if there's one only knock on Jason Peters over the last few years, it's the ability to stay healthy. And when you take him away from tackle and put him at a new position, guard position, which is a little bit more of a nasty in the trenches, more contact sometimes, plus your guards are a big part of your – pulling and trapping on run uh, certain runs. Not that you can't do that with tackles, but you certainly do it with guards a little bit more. Uh, then you're, you're, <laughs> the likelihood of Jason Peters being able to man that 
that kind of role for 16 games to me is decreases, you know, just the way even thinking about it. I just can't see him being able to stay healthy and, and, and manage. How do you think the loss of Brandon Brooks impacts Carson Wentz? Or do you think it'll just be fine? Everything will just continue to be what it would have been anyway? I mean, do you think that he's now thinking about the right side more? Or do you think it's just kind of, hey, he's going to go out there and play and, and the game will come to him? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think quarterbacks generally think about it unless you give them a reason to. You know, when you go back and look at Andre Dillard when he had to play right tackle last year and he wound up being a turnstile and Carson probably I'm sure you could sense that Carson knew that he wasn't going to have some time to hold on to the ball that game if the way things were going and, and obviously that was an ugly game that um, Dillard got pulled at halftime so unless he's given a reason to fear then I don't think he'll really go on the field thinking about it so that that really that question is all about how well Matt Pryor can hang or whoever's in that spot can hang and and also, what Doug Peterson does from a schematic standpoint to help out that right side of the uh, offensive line. Um, any, I don't know if you've done the research on this. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is there anybody outside the organization that's an obvious choice to say they need somebody, this guy's available, that's who they need to go after? Or uh, is Peters the only guy who's not currently on the roster that you think they would consider? I mean, you know, there's always Julian Vanderbilt. I mean, he's come and gone about, <laughs> what, 30 times. In there. <laughs> no, I don't I don't know if there's an obvious name. I know the, the, the one that comes up a lot is Larry Wofford because he just a couple of years ago he made the Pro Bowl. He was with the Saints. But um, something that Adam Kaplan had talked about on the podcast is that he, his, his pass protection had really fallen off there over the last few years. A good run blocker, not a great pass protector. Uh, obviously released for a reason. Uh, you go back and you remember when the Saints released Jari Evans, who was you know a pro, many multiple Pro Bowl guard, time Pro Bowl guard for them, and then he wound up signing with Green Bay, not playing so great with Green Bay, and then he was out of the league the next year. So I'm, just because Larry Warford's available uh, does not mean that this is a, a Pro Bowl guard that you'd be implementing into your system. He's got experience, and even if he's not the best at pass protection, at least he's a guy who has enough experience and can get in there and probably hold his own a little bit. And it wouldn't shock me if the Eagles did some homework into him, but I really think that their, their best bet is to, you know, go with your young guy. You draft these guys, you coach them up. They're in your system for a reason. It's not like prior was a seventh round pick. I mean, it was uh, was a fourth or a fifth, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, they showed some level of confidence in him. He's played. They drafted Driscoll. They've drafted some other guys. He's just you got to coach up your guys and go. That's yeah. what good teams do. By the way, Warford was a salary cap release by the Saints. They basically drafted someone in the first round, and he was making like $7.8 million, so they got rid of him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Moshe, is, is Vitae the perfect example of you don't realize what you have until it's gone? I guess it is. Although, I mean, I think in fairness, you know, we knew when when Vitae left, you knew that that was a key swing tackle for them who had played served an important role. And it seems like they want prior uh, to be that, that, that guy, really right? But they and they it feels like they want it prior to be Vitae. Yes, I, I believe that they would because Pryor was a tackle in college and um, has played a little bit of that in his few snaps here at the NFL level, so they would love for him to be that. And remember, Vitae was, I believe, a 
fifth round pick, correct? Uh, yeah. At a TCU, same school as Matt Pryor. So yeah, they would love to be able to say the same about Matt Pryor. What about uh, Kyle Long? Is he an option at all in your mind? That's a good. It's uh, a good name. You know, he retired. He did say apparently there was reports yesterday. There was some reports yesterday that he is already reconsidering his retirement, but that he wouldn't come back and play with the Bears. Well, interesting. Um, you know, I certainly think you have to do your diligence on him and see where he's at with that. I, I would caution sometimes that, you know, I, you look at uh, the Jets last year and they were able to coax um, Ryan, was it Ryan Cleal, right, out of retirement yeah. to play center. And, you know, he just wasn't the same player that he was, you know, many years prior. And they did have their struggles on the offensive line. And he was a part of that. I think he even got benched at one point. So, is Kyle Long someone that they should look at, consider, watch the tape, see if they, he can come in and, and help out? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know if signing Kyle Long means like he's definitely your starting right guard and you're, you know, you're, you're not concerned about his level of play. Yeah, apparently, okay, real quick, it says he will know with conviction if he plans to play in 20 or 20 mm-hmm. or not in the next few weeks. He says, full transparency, I miss, I miss football but at what cost? I'm most likely going to be on the golf course instead of the gridiron. Uh, but he said that he was fired by his previous team and that they asked if he would come back. He said, I would wait for a new staff. So apparently, whatever happened in Chicago, he was not a fan of. And it's been reported that Joe Douglas and the Jets are trying to pull Long back into the league, similar to what they did with Ryan Khalil last season. That was uh, June 15th. So just a couple of days ago, there was yeah. some thoughts that he might be interested in coming back. So does that make it sad? And to me, it sounds like the Bears were going to release him anyway. Yeah. He was going to get fired. Right. That's, right? What, he, that's what he insinuated anyway. So. Yeah. so, I mean, is that an insinuation that his performance was not at the level that it was supposed to be or that they were hoping it would be? Fair. That's fair. I mean, but you know how it is around here. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a name that people recognize, so he's got to be good. Oh, hey, man, Plexico Burris, right? Let's go, let's go get him up. <laughs> Speaking of Plexico Burris, let's transition over to wideout. What did you make of Doug Peterson's comments yesterday on Jalen Rager's role? Because it sounded as if he was only going to learn one position, not cross-train, and that position was going to be Deshaun Jackson's position. Yes, I think a lot of people freaked out a little bit and panicked because – the, the reaction was, wait a minute, he's going to be Deshaun Jackson's backup? We drafted our backup with the 21st overall pick, which is uh, not the case at all. I think what Doug is doing is being smart. He's realizing that he has not seen any of his players, his rookies, his newcomers, whatever, get on the field. All they've done so far is Zoom sessions, and you absolutely can't tell what kind of progress a person is making just through Zoom sessions. You have to see it out on the field. And so rather than, as I've told you guys before, you know, training camp's going to have to be different. I mean, the first few weeks are going to have to be more learning and drilling instead of hitting the ground running like it usually is to get the new players acclimated and especially the rookies. So the one thing that that Jalen's got to do first is prove he can play the Z spot because I don't want to say it's simpler, but that's the spot, you know, like Deshaun Jackson, you're, you're, you're off the line of scrimmage a little bit. You don't get pressed as much. And players, rookies, wide receivers, you know, they don't see a lot of press coverage in college anymore. 
So it's something that they typically struggle with as rookies. And so he's got to at least show that he can play that Z position before they can say, all right, good, he's mastering that. Now let's move him to X and see how he does with that and the press and then slot. So Doug is being smart. He's saying we got to start him off with this. And then as he learns that, th- that was the second part of the quote that I think I got, he got, that got lost on people. He said once he gets comfortable with that, we're going to start to teach him the other positions, but he's got to start on that first. And also, if Deshaun were to get hurt, which is very, you know, Deshaun's going to be 35, right, then Z would be a natural place for Jalen to play because that is your speed position in this offense. You know, your your X position is your Alshon Jeffrey, your bigger, stronger guy, and maybe that'll be J.J. Ortega-Whiteside if he makes that development. And then if Deshaun were to get hurt, then you would naturally put Jalen at the Z there to capitalize on that speed. But as I reported, you know, weeks ago, and I was told this, and I, I know it's true, this coaching staff wants Rager to really be able to pick up on everything so that they can play him at the X. They can move him into the slot for certain uh, formations to capitalize on his ability to make yards in space. He is not going to be, unless he is not a quick learner, and unless he falls on his face, kind of like J.J. last year, he's going to be more than just a backup Z to Deshaun Jackson. I can assure you that. All right, let's leave you with this. Alshon Jeffrey, they said he's going to have a big purpose in the offense. How does he fit in? Like, how really, if he comes in halfway through the year, where do you see Alshon Jeffrey fitting in? And let's let's just assume that J.J.'s, you know, made some jumps and he's better and Rager's a part of the offense. Where does Alshon fit in this offense if Doug's saying he will be a big part of it? Yeah, that's the one I'm really not sure that I'm buying with Doug selling. You know, I mean, I, I felt for a long time that their moves have basically told you that they want to get faster, they want to get younger, and I'm the, you know, Alshon Jeffrey fits neither of those criteria. I don't even know how he can be a big part of the off team until he gets on the field. I mean, he suffered the same injury that Jalen Mills suffered last year, and Jalen didn't come back until – but the ninth or tenth game of the year. So at that point, can Alshon be back by the ninth or tenth game? If he is, what does the team do if they're winning? Do they want to disrupt that? I think that there are just so many boxes left to check between now and then, specifically with how quickly his rehab goes and how quickly he can make, uh, you know, make it back. But I've felt all along that if by the time he's been to play that another team loses uh, some wide receivers and feels like they would trade a very low draft pick for Alshon because he has such a high salary that the Eagles would entertain that trade in a heartbeat. So we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, that's football at four powered by InsideTheBirds.com. That's Jeff Mosher. Tomorrow, Adam Kaplan's in. Uh, we'll have more on the Eagles and the NFL offseason as the NFL uh, offseason is uh, in an interesting spot now. And, of course, most like all guests appear via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. All right, man. Well, uh, we will catch up with you again on Monday. All right, fellas. Have a great rest of your day. We will try. We will do our best. I promise that. We always try our best. And every day we try better than we did the day before. That's how you end the show. I will say this, though, about this whole Matt Pryor thing. There seems to be a lot of optimism with him. A lot of optimism that he'd be able to hold the fork down. I mean, I'm not optimistic or pessimistic. I'm willing to give the guy a shot. I thought he played well in the Seattle game. You know, when you went into that game, remember, it was Pryor and Vitae together. He's going to have Lane Johnson next to him. That's going to be a big difference. But 
they held their own in that game. I mean, I know McCallum was rushed a lot, but Wentz is different than McCallum. He'll avoid some of that stuff. But I don't think Pryor was awful in that game. Like, you know, he had a tough assignment in that game. I thought he handled himself well. He's going to have a full training camp. But I think the point you brought up about the depth, what happens if somebody else gets hurt? Pryor was your guy. That is my biggest concern still is and what I, happens now. I also agree with you. I think people, you talk about people are, exce- are not whatever about Pryor. I think people were too hard on Vitae. Oh, yeah. No, they didn't. They did not. Because, and I think you mentioned this too, it's because he was only good when he prepared for the week. So if he got thrown into a middle of a game, he would get torched sometimes and it would be ugly. But people didn't appreciate what he did do when he had a full week to prepare. He, did, he won the Super Bowl at the left tackle position. He filled in whenever and, and did okay. And he didn't just play Super Bowl uh, in the Super Bowl. He played the entire playoff run. Right. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, Mike, please ask Broads if he used to practice taking slap shots in the groin area. Now, you asked me this uh, in the break. I don't know if you saw that and then asked me. Or I did. Was, oh, no, this I, text just came in okay. four minutes ago. Well, no, we, I This guy said the groin area. Right. I asked you if you took him like, in the back or like when you see guys slide across the ice. Yeah, we did. We used to have practices where we would just, hey, go out to the point, block a shot. like that. Forwards would skate right nut to the blue shot, line. shot, though? It wouldn't be like, hey, come hit me in yeah, the Yeah, but are you, how do you prepare for getting that in the nuts? Right. No, like you're, okay, you're you right. Just but say, I just hit me one there in the event that I do get hit there in the game? And here's the difference. <laughs> I do understand your comparisons from other sports to this situation that I laid out, but I just think because the nature of this sport is fighting the whole time, it's just a little bit different. But my one buddy texts me, he's a huge UFC guy. I always, I like to poke him a bit. He goes, dude, you're an idiot. <laughs> I like that guy. What's his name? Dan. 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 Have a high noon on me. <laughs> I went high noon on him. Sports Bash coming back. Ask Mike and Broads next. Listen tonight at 5 p.m. for another MGPT Top 5 at 5. That's 609-403-0973. All right, there's the music. It's time for Ask Mike and Broads. You guys take over the show. Use the hashtag Ask Mike and Broads. You can send us a text message with your question, 609 609- 403-0973, 609-403-0973. Ask Mike and Broads. Let's see what we got today. All right, we got a couple that are Philadelphia sports related, but one that's not. So I got a buddy I played hockey with. He's a huge Detroit sports fan. Did he fan. ask the question? He did, yeah. And you're, So you know you're uh, biasly, almost nepotismly moving him to the top of the list. Well, only well because I, I you know, I, I think it's so out there that I almost want to I'm intrigued by it because it's not Philadelphia sports and he's obsessed with this team. He'll just send me pictures of players from this team and send me videos all the time. I won't even be talking to him for a week and it just bang pops up on my phone. Alright. The O four Pistons. He is obsessed with the O four Pistons. He always says Ben Wallace is better than him B. Whatever. Just you know, busting stones. What do you remember most about that squad? He wants to know. The 04 Pistons? Yeah, the 04 Pistons. Like, what do you remember most about that team? They are always described as the um, exception, not the rule. They're the team that won the title without a star. We always say, you need a star, and then people are like, well, the Pistons, they're the one team. You always go to the Pistons. They didn't have a star. I don't think there's a Hall of Famer. I mean, Billups is not, I mean, very good, not a Hall of Famer. Hamilton, they're all just very good players. They just had a lot of number two starters. 
Now, he always sent me the clip of the opening before their games. Like That the, guy was good. Amazing, right? Ben Wallace! Doesn't Wallace. beat the, ball, the Bulls, though. You think the Bulls is better. Bulls you know, is the greatest open entry, uh, open, opening introductions of all time. Now, I will say, you know who, who's a little boring to me? The Lakers. He's very professional. Uh, Buttoned up. Ugh. Do you like that? Yeah. You like the professionalism. I like, well, I like. It's the, like a white and blue Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Just simple. Well, I like that. That's his style. Yeah. Now I'm with you, but I like the, the Ben Wallace. He would do the bu 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 and the wo 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 Wallace. Wallace. I mean, well, when they, and the ball would go, Detroit basketball. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was great. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, during those moments. Here's the problem when you're that guy. Okay. I appreciate that guy, and I thought he did a great job. Here's the problem. When the team stinks and you're that guy. <laughs> you're you're okay to be that guy when they're the best team in the league or they're fighting for a title. What do you do when they're the process sixers and you're that guy? You, you gotta can't do be it. that guy. You gotta do it though. I, I mean, know, but that's the problem. Then he sounds like an idiot. Well, you know when uh, the opposing team scores a bucket, it's like Kyrie Irving. You can't do that for your home team, right? I mean, no, like Matt like, Ford Sixers, he's the guy like when the opposing team scores, he gives like a non- Enthusiastic, right. you know, Kyle Lowry. Yeah, but you imagine, imagine during the five, six, seven win teams, it's like TJ McConnell. It's like you can't do that for your home team. No, right? but if you are also the PA guy for the Sixers during the process years, and you know the ball goes out of bounds, and it's like Sixers basketball, and they're down twenty five. <laughs> It's just part of the gig, I guess. I mean, imagine what Joel Embiid does right now. The fireworks and the Joel Embiid, right? Imagine having to do it for TJ McConnell with no one in the fans, or no one in the stands. You, you kind of have to keep it that way. Though, I'm wondering no? how they're, what they're going to do in that. Oh, what do you mean? The presentations? Yep. How's that going to happen? Are you even going to do introductions with nobody there? Well, the WWE's doing it. That's because it's the television product. You typically don't see the introductions on TV. So is there any, like, normally the guy in the stand, like, you know, let's meet tonight's participants. You're talking to the people in the building. No, that's interesting, except for when you actually stream the games illegally. Not that I've ever done that, but you will catch the pregame stuff. You hear someone talking in the background like, hey, you, you forgot my beer, you know, like, but you're watching on some crazy feed off Did to the side. Did you see the story, by the way, not to get off track, of the Us? fan off that track? ran onto the field when there's no fans in the stands. Did Come you on. see this the other day at a soccer game? No. Yeah. I believe it was Bundesliga. Were you watching the game? No, but I read the story. A fan ran onto the field, and they had a, someone had to tackle the guy. You had to have somebody there to tackle. There's no fans. Do you have security when there's no fans there? Now, was there security? Yeah, they took oh, there him was. down. Wow. Now, how did he get in there? That's a good I didn't read the article. Did he have a mask on? I don't think so. Well, do you think that now he's, he's more jail time because the the no mask or the mask? That's I mean, a good that's, question. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a big part of the story. Yeah, the fan ran out in the field. Now, I can't find the story. You, you buried the lead. The fan ran out in the field at a soccer game the other day. All right, can you send it over to me real fast? Josh, on the trigger over there. <laughs> uh, here's some breaking news real fast. Knicks plan to interview Sixers assistants Ime Utka. For their head coaching job. He's also a candidate for the Bulls job. I was going to say that. Yeah, well. he, he seems to be a hot item right now. All right, so here's the story. Despite no fans in attendance, man still sneaks onto the pitch during Barcelona match. So I guess it wasn't Bundesliga. 
No, that's a that's a big match. I mean that I mean Barcelona. That's a good. That's a big squad, big league. FC Barcelona replay, uh, resume play Saturday after a three month break due to Corona, picking up a four nothing win in a vintage performance by Liana Messi. Fans, however, were not allowed to attend the game due to coronavirus. There were still superimposed digitally to help them watching at home, a growing trend in sports world as play slowly starts to resume. Yet somehow one fan still found his way into the stadium and onto the pitch in the middle of the match. Now, do you think this was actually a fan or was it a computer-generated person that somehow slipped into the into the game somehow? Uh, well, these police officer escorting him off the field would suggest he was real. Okay. The fan, minutes into the second half, slowly jogged onto the field and started taking selfies with a Barcelona defender before he was finally escorted away. Now, does that picture I'm seeing, it's a little far away. Mask or no mask? He's got no mask. Ooh. He, the, 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 the security police officers do have a mask. Do all of them have masks on? Now, here's the thing. Why are there security guards? Well, for this. I know, but this is so out there. If this wasn't to happen, this one scenario, what are they actually doing there? Where he came from or how he got there was is unknown at this time. That is insane. Now, it looks like he's got an Argentina-looking shirt on. It's like that baby blue stripe. Huh. Well, I got nothing for you other than I'm a little shocked, but um, I shouldn't be because soccer fans are crazier than uh, football fans. I mean, you know you know the Raiders guy? There's When I picture crazy football fans, for some reason, it's always the Raiders guy with the shoulder spiked pad yeah. with the black and gray face. That doesn't even compete to these soccer people. It's like the guy with the Eagles. They always show that guy with the half green and half white face. Now, do you remember last year there was that he was either a dean of one of these uh, of, a, of, a, of a big university around yes. here? He was screaming in slow yeah. motion. I, I do remember that. What are the odds that that guy gets picked out like that? You know? Why I mean, would you seriously. Do that? Did you ever paint your face for a game? Well, he wasn't he wasn't face painted. I think he was just emotionally. I know, but have you ever? Nah, I'm not I'm not big on that. The most I do is uh, if, if I do go to a game, maybe I'll rock the Fletcher Coxters I got a long time ago. But I, you go Jersey sometimes. I I I have a Fletcher Cox jersey that I used to like party in back in college. You went to junior. a party with a Fletcher Cox. Yeah, jersey we would on. just rock Jays. I told you the basketball jersey look is big, so I'd have a bunch of jerseys. But that's and, different than the football jersey. Oh, I go football jersey. Yeah. I know what I'm saying. So you went to a party with a Fletcher Cox jersey. A, a, a darty, not like a party. It's a day party. You're hanging out in the backyard, throwing the football around frisbee. So it's it's the day party. But yeah, but I'm not gonna lie to you. I I told you how I stream games. Well, not really, but I and I kind of said that I did. I also buy jerseys from other countries for very cheap. I gotcha. So I'm not I'm not dropping the dough. I'm gotcha. grabbing about ten jerseys for fifty bucks. Do you go baseball jersey unbuttoned open? I, it depends how hot the day is and how many uh, cold ones I have. Are, are you got? against that look? It's a terrible look. <laughs> you have what shorts I, on too. What what shoes do you think I'm wearing? With what kind of socks? Uh, if you're going open baseball jersey. My vision is jean shorts, jean white shorts. socks, and a work boot. Oh, come on. You haven't seen that guy at the at the Phillies game? That, that, yeah, actually. I'm picturing the, the, he's got the country open, tailgates right, right now. Right, he's got the open baseball jersey. He's got jean shorts on. He's got white calf socks, and he's got like a pair of work boots on. Now, you mentioned the guy I see at the Kenny Chesney concert, but instead of the baseball jersey, it's the Kmart flannel that they bought for five bucks. That was me one time. All right, we'll move on to the next one here. 
This guy must have been listening to us this week. Matt C. And uh, we talked about how we can't take Doug Peterson for face value. That's something that we kind of touched on over the week. And he asked, do you guys think that it's a problem that we can't take our head coach for face value? When he speaks oh, to the media. See, here's the one thing. Oh, why because I, we don't listen, believe what he says. Yeah, exactly. I just think, honestly, it's sad that it's this way, but it's almost just part of the business. Every coach is kind of beefing up their team and saying things here and there. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. If he wins you football games, guess what? I don't care what the hell you say to me on a uh, on a Tuesday. On a Monday. I don't care. Win football games. That's what I care about. Right. It depends on the topic and depends on what he's saying. Like the whole Mike Grow thing. Oh, he'll he's our guy, and then the next day he's fired. You know? Yeah, that's bad. Those type of things. You're kind of like, huh. I mean, it, you take him at face value sometimes, and other times you know that they're just kind of skirting. Like, they don't have enough information. They didn't go over the topic enough. Like, fresh after a game, it might be like, eh, I don't, you know. And then the next day, when they get to the Monday presser, there's a different spin on it because they had a flight home or they had a meeting in the morning. I will say, when it comes to Dougie P, for the most part, at this point, I just don't even pay attention to what he says too deeply because I just feel all of it is nonsense. And then, I mean, it's a good question. Is that a problem that you do that? Uh, Not really. Just win football games and I don't care. I don't care what you're saying as long as the product on the field is good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Peterson is. By the way, just to kind of, I think Peterson is well supported. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, I I don't want to get too sidetracked once again, but uh, Josh actually brought up a a nice little stat on the warmup. And did you hear him? He was talking about the the most amount of offensive play calls in the NFL. Yeah. Doug Peterson. That kind of shocked me a bit. Um, yeah, Mike Clay is going to come on with him tomorrow at 12.30 to kind of break, or 1.30, I should say, to break that all down. There's a couple of things. And Dave Weinberg answered, like, you know, hey, does that mean that the defense is better than we think at getting off the field and giving them the offense more chances? Uh, or do they, you know, what's their time of possession? Yeah, and, and I will say, with Dave, he did give credit to Jim Schwartz, but then he almost downplayed Jim Schwartz a little bit, too. I don't know if he's... Um, as appreciative as we are yeah. when it comes to Jim Schwartz. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know Dave's 100% opinion it's on just, that. It, it sense like he's, you know, we look at Jim Schwartz and we go, this guy knows what he's doing. I think he's like, yeah, he knows what he's doing, but there's a ton better out there. That's the vibe I got. But maybe we can uh, ask him about that another day. We got another question from Byron, and it concerns him that Brett Brown may be the head coach going into the season next year over Ben Simmons not being 100% ready for the playoffs. How about you guys? So what he's getting at is he hates Brett Brown. He'd rather He's, he's more worried Wait, that— Can you repeat that? It says he is concerned— I'll read it his way. It concerns me more that Brett Brown may be the head coach going into next season over Ben not being 100% ready for the playoffs. Uh, How about you guys? I I don't even want to address that. You don't want to address it? And a guy doesn't – he's an idiot. Well, you don't know that. Byron could be a UFC fan who thinks what I said was dumb, and then you would think that Byron's a smart guy. You know what? On some things, I can agree with people. And on other things, I might disagree with you. You're not always 100% right. So on this one, I think he's an idiot. If it was on the other conversation, I would agree with him. 
on this conversation, if he's saying he's more concerned that Ben Simmons, uh, that Brett Brown's the coach next year over Ben Simmons being healthy, how can that even be? How do you even bring that into the same stratosphere? Ben Simmons' health is of utmost importance if you actually want to think about anything. And by the way, we've been kind of talking about this this uh, uh, Mannix piece all day about why he feels that everything has fallen into place in this for the Sixers. Did you see the reason why? We'll give it to you coming up next on the Sports Bash Live. Turn it on. Jersey's number one sports radio talk show, The Sports Bash, with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, Mike and Broads, 11 to the top. Sports Bash, next hour, PT. Top five at five. It's Father's Day uh, this Sunday, so it's Father's Week, and it's father and son duos in the NFL. I had so many good ones. It was really hard to narrow it down to five. I had like ten honorable mentions, but... I have my five. They're good. Good stories. We'll have fun with it. MGPT Top 5 at 5 tonight. Five father-son duos in the NFL. Keith Smith will wrap it up tonight with a little football. uh, Excuse me, with a little basketball. Uh, So I want to get into this sixer piece real quick by Chris Maddox. So what would your guess be on why he says everything is falling into place for the Sixers to shock the world? And there's a reason why... He feels that the Sixers have a little bit of an advantage over teams when play resumes. The NBA season will resume soon, he says, and when it does, the Sixers might be the team that benefits the most after the hiatus. The first thing that comes to my mind is because Ben Simmons was probably not going to play at all, so the fact that you get a a, a well-rested Ben Simmons and a, a healthy Ben Simmons, but did he go that route? He no? did not. Okay. Nope. Did it have to go with finding a way to implement Al Horford? Nope. Am I way off on both of these? Pretty much. Okay. Shoot. Hit me. So, he believes that when teams resume, that games are going to be sloppy and that shooting the three-point ball is going to be awful early on. And the Sixers are one of the teams that do not rely on the three-point shot as much as these other teams. So he believes that that will give them an advantage to play that bully ball that they wanted to play while other teams are trying to kind of knock the rust off. Now that makes a lot of sense when I look at this other quote that I was reading that I didn't know what he was referencing to. So now that that puts it all together. Um, He says it's assumed there will be plenty of defensive struggles. And if that's the case... A team like, wait for it, Philadelphia will now have an advantage. I just don't know if it's going to be the point where all of these players who can knock down threes are just going to magically forget how to shoot threes. I mean, that's like saying for hockey players who haven't skated in three months, yeah, they'll be rusty, no doubt. And some of these players might be rusty, but if you're a player who can shoot threes, I mean, you're you're still in the gym shooting threes. I don't know if it's going to be a huge fall-off. Would you agree with him on this? Or I think he, I, I get where he's going to with this. I just don't know if it's going to be as much of a drop-off as maybe he's implementing. Um, yes and no. I think there'll be some sort of in-between. I don't think you're going to see, like, crisp basketball right out of the shoots. And keep in mind, these guys have not been used to playing in an arena that's empty. So do you think that's going to change their three-pointers? Because I feel maybe the empty gym 
might make them more comfortable. I mean, we talk about Ben Simmons maybe <laughs> shooting because it makes them more comfortable. So it might even help them that there's no fans. But uh, they're, when they're in between the lines, they shut out everything anyway. He says, let's assume there will be plenty of defensive struggles. If there aren't falling, if they if threes aren't falling, scores will. Games will be grinded out. A team with a top six defense and lockdown defenders at several key positions should have an advantage. Well, I hope he's right. I I I hope he's right. I just don't think that you're just going to see teams kind of forget how to knock down threes. If they're a three-point shooting team, if James Harden is a three-point scorer, I mean, you're, you're going to be able to knock down the threes, I think. And that's the point of the eight games, no? To kind of mm-hmm. settle yourself back in. And I'm not sure if they plan on having games before those regular season games, too. I'm sure there's some sort of exhibition, kind of run up and down the floor, get some shots up kind of scrimmage, right? Yeah, you would think. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, I think there's going to be a couple of scrimmages and then the eight game season, and then you, you're jumping into the playoffs. Now, I'm wondering how frequently they're going to play these games. Like, is it just going to be every other day? Like, hey, you're playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. You know what I mean? Like, are you talking for the regular season or yeah, for the playoffs? For all of them. Okay, like, for are all. You, are they going to try to, like, there's no traveling, so you don't have to worry about a team like, you know, hey, Philly is playing against uh, Denver tomorrow. I don't know who's on their schedule, but, like, so you got to fly from Philly to Denver, and then you got to give them two days off because they're on the West Coast. They got to come. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have these travel problems, so you don't have teams worrying about, hey, they've been on the road for three out of four games or four out of seven. You're all in the same spot, so you should be able to keep it pretty consistent that every team should be able to play almost every other day. You would think so. It just comes down to how they view the NFL season, how they view some other things. Are they going to try and schedule games around other sports? I don't know. The only the only sport oh, they have TV. yeah the only sport they have to worry about is football. It's like there's nobody else playing in those buildings. There. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> they got to wait for a high school team to finish up their game. I just heard that hockey is now playing at the Wild World of Sports. You think they got some sheets of ice? Man, those poor guys have to change the ice to basketball all the time. Those one o'clock Saturday hockey oh, games I that love turn into a seven o'clock uh, tilt. Seven thirty. Seven thirty. Whenever there's a uh, one p.m. puck drop, it's a seven thirty tip. I like the Saturday afternoon puck. Drop. I have sat through the changeovers. I love that day. Oh, I do both a lot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Xfinity in between. Uh, not typically. No, I'm usually working. Huh. Oh, working. Right. Right. That's what they call this. All right. Coming up is the MGPT top five at five. Father-son duos in the NFL.